Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is our penultimate episode to 100. It is Wired Up episode 99. It has been a two plus year run well now almost two plus years here with wired up and we are closing in on 100 episodes of wired up here on the take it easy podcast welcome in everybody i hope you all are having an amazing day here on this sunday or monday or however and whenever it is you're stopping in and i hope you are staying safe as the world falls apart around us once again during the covid 19 pandemic I hope everybody is doing excellent here today. We've got a really, really fun podcast here for you. We are going to have all of our picks for the week. I know sometimes we slack on picks of the week. We're going to have everybody's picks of the week here on Wired Up. It should be a shorter Wired Up. No college football other than, of course, UAB beating BYU in the uh, what was it, the Birmingham Bowl or was it the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana? One of those bowl games ended up having a weird upset in the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl. Other than that, which uh, we're, we're not really going to talk about. We could talk about the Colts beating up on the Patriots. I didn't watch very much of the game, but the Colts did indeed beat up bad on the New England Patriots. At least it looked like that for a while and then the Patriots stormed back. I don't know what happened there. Colts won handily. It's a win we had over against our boy Juju on the Slump Buster podcast. I'm already sitting at 1-0 this week in the picks, by the way, thanks to, of course, Patrick Mahomes leading the beautiful comeback that he had on Thursday. If you want full talk about that, we did it on Friday's episode. I got to be honest, Friday's episode might be one of the best podcast episodes we've ever done. So shout out to us for a wonderful podcast episode. So We'll get to that uh, with picks coming up, but the first thing I wanted to talk about here is Kyrie Irving and this interesting story that as everything surrounds us in COVID-19, I found this to be infinitely fascinating over the past few days. And this is coming now knowing the fact that Kyrie Irving tested positive for COVID and is now in the COVID protocols with all of the other Brooklyn Nets. Like Kyrie Irving... 
ends up having the old I, I think if it weren't on a Saturday and it weren't like there are hugely other important things going on like you know schools closing down Saturday Night Live going without a studio audience and no uh I forgot what Christmas thing with the some some Broadway thing on Christmas is now without a crowd and we're seeing the world start to close up again because there are massive spreads of COVID-19 again even among vaccinated populations and especially among vaccinated populations because now everyone's testing and realizing they're asymptomatically positive for COVID all of that to say Kyrie Irving came back to the Brooklyn Nets on Friday and then by Saturday Kyrie Irving ended up finishing with a COVID positive test that sends him into the COVID protocol. But before that, I found it hugely fascinating that Kyrie Irving was going to come back for the Nets as a part-time player and presumably play in road games, but not play in home games because the state of New York and New York City mandates that everyone attending indoor venues has to be vaccinated. And if Kyrie Irving continued to not get vaccinated and be a leader of the anti-vax movement, which, you know, has negative connotation, but Kyrie Irving is definitely being a leader on this issue and is willing to sacrifice for what he believes in in this situation. Kyrie Irving as a leader on the anti-vax issue is something he's willingly sacrificing for. And so what I find interesting is, did Kyrie Irving actually leverage the Brooklyn Nets and did he make the Brooklyn Nets fold? Because this is a really, really fascinating thing that happens in sports. I know uh, and the NBA is like branded as the player empowerment league. And I think it's more of a mirage than people think because player empowerment is more so players using leverage that they have which seems like it's a given if you have leverage and you want things you would use said leverage but that wasn't always the case in sports especially when public perception of fans is leaned especially pro management and so one of the things that we've seen over recent years is players across all sports when they have leverage are using their leverage NBA stars obviously of LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden has done it in the past. Like players have used leverage when they've had it. Kyrie Irving had leverage in Cleveland and he leveraged his way out of Cleveland with LeBron to, to get a trade with uh to Boston and then left Boston for Brooklyn. And it looked like Kyrie Irving had reached a stage in his career where the Brooklyn Nets were going to put their foot down on Kyrie Irving's demands and they wanted to trade Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving basically said if you try and trade me I'm going to retire and he used that leverage that I'm going to stay in Brooklyn I'm going to play as a part-time player and if you try and get rid of me I will not allow that to happen I want to play with the Brooklyn Nets I want to play with Kevin Durant I want to remain unvaccinated and I want to continue as a part-time player until we come to a compromise with the city of New York or the mandates change etc etc Kyrie Irving wanted to have certain things And I wasn't sure if he had the leverage to do so simply because I wasn't sure if Kyrie Irving was still that kind of relevant 
in the NBA, not as a star player. Like the, I know the conversations are going to be, is, is Brooklyn better with Kyrie Irving back or should he stay away? Brooklyn is undoubtedly better with Kyrie Irving. That's more of a semantics conversation. Like he's still one of the 20 best players in the NBA. When he plays, he's an all-star. But even all-stars don't have leverage in many of these situations. DeMar DeRozan didn't have the leverage to stop himself from being traded to San Antonio. This Paul George didn't have the leverage to prevent himself from being traded to Oklahoma City when he demanded a trade out of Indiana. He had the leverage to then force his way to the Clippers, but didn't have the leverage in the first place to get out of Indiana to a place that he exactly wanted to go. And this was the leverage play Kyrie Irving was doing, because it was a big ask. It was, I want to play only on the Brooklyn Nets, I want to remain unvaccinated, and I want to have part-time player requests and all the things Kyrie Irving would normally request that I don't know about. Uh, Matt Sullivan detailed in his book how Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant use their leverage. And Kyrie Irving exhausted every bit of leverage that he could in this situation over the last four months. What did Kyrie Irving sacrifice? He sacrificed his public image in regards to people who had even defended him in the past because he was being a leader on an anti-vax stance that most people disagree with and most people who support Kyrie Irving overwhelmingly disagree with, especially people in media disagree with the idea that you should be an anti-vaxxer because most people disagree you should get the, most people agree that you should get the COVID vaccine where Kyrie Irving stands on that. He loses support from people who back him up on all kinds of other things. So he burns the bridges of his good name in the eyes of the media, in the eyes of fans, and in the eyes of management with the Brooklyn Nets, because now he's willing to burn a bridge there where Brooklyn's willing to trade him. So he's burning bridges with management, he's burning bridges with media, and he's burning bridges with his good name. He is losing his name because now Kyrie Irving is associated with this movement. And by the way, Kyrie Irving is also willing to be co-opted by people on the right as a propaganda tool where Ted Cruz is tweeting support for Kyrie Irving. He's willing to sacrifice that, even though Kyrie Irving does not align with Ted Cruz at all. Like, Kyrie Irving, undoubtedly, for better or for worse, is a leader. Kyrie Irving is a leader in pursuing Black Lives Matter causes and championing uh, fundraising for causes that promote uh, equality for and closing wage gaps among black and white Americans. He is also an advocate for black trans women. Kyrie Irving is also an advocate for the Native American people living on reservations and them getting proper funding from the government in order to raise them out of poverty. Kyrie Irving is a huge supporter of all of these causes that are really noble that he's leading on and like actively sacrificing for time, money, effort, and energy into these causes, and he's also leading on being an anti-vaxxer. I'm not going to align with all of the things that Kyrie Irving supports, but I'm an ally on him for those other good things that he's doing, and it's why I don't like the the name smearing of Kyrie Irving because of him being an anti-vaxxer. But again, Kyrie Irving willing to go through that and stand on this cause and willing to sacrifice his good name in the eyes of many people, not myself, I have no... Issues or quarrels with Kyrie Irving over that, but from from a public perception, willing to burn the bridges of his good name among many people and the media and be co-opted by people on the political right as a propaganda tool, 
and burn bridges with the Brooklyn Nets and use his leverage of his situation with Kevin Durant and probably piss off Kevin Durant a little bit because he's leaning a little too heavily on the leverage that Kevin Durant has. We know Kevin Durant has total leverage. Kevin Durant could leave Brooklyn tomorrow and go exactly where he wants to go because Kevin Durant, if he's willing to use his leverage, has that leverage because the everywhere Kevin Durant goes, they're immediately a championship contender. And Kyrie Irving has hitched his wagon to Kevin Durant. They came to Brooklyn together. They were going to be friends living this new stage of their career. And Kyrie Irving has used that leverage Kevin Durant has because what Kevin Durant says goes. And Brooklyn has turned over the keys to their franchise to Kevin Durant. And part of the thing that came along with that is we are going to trade D'Angelo Russell and we're going to sign Kyrie Irving. Undoubtedly an upgrade. But how much of an upgrade and for how much money, that's another question. I'm sure they don't like the headache of having Kyrie Irving on the team right now. If they had D'Angelo Russell as their third best player, they would be better than having no Kyrie Irving at all. But they're willing to make that switch if it means getting Kevin Durant. And uh, of course you would want to purely upgrade uh, Kyrie Irving for D'Angelo Russell. Like It's not even a question, it's just the headache they have to go through with Kevin Durant right now. And, you know, a lot of stress on management, even if uh, Kyrie Irving's undoubtedly better than D'Angelo Russell. It's how much is management willing to put up with Kyrie Irving in that way. So he's also using the leverage of Kevin Durant. He's using the leverage of willing to burn the bridges of his good name, willing to burn bridges with the management, and willing to be used as politically co-opted on the right for standing for what he believes in, which in this case is being an anti-vaxxer. And if that's where Kyrie Irving is willing to stand on, damn do I respect it. Damn do I respect that he's willing to use all the leverage in the world in this situation. You know what? Standing here right now, just... That, that is a clap of the hands for Kyrie Irving. I, uh, I, I cannot bash him for willing to use his leverage that way. That is hella respectful because most people would bail on that situation they wouldn't be willing to burn their name they wouldn't be willing to be allowed to be co-opted by people on the right they wouldn't be willing to burn bridges with management of the organization they want to play for burn bridges with management for the team that you want to stay on like it's crazy how much Kyrie Irving is willing to use this leverage to get exactly what he wants and he got it Kyrie Irving got exactly what he wanted. It might have taken a couple months. He had to sacrifice money there. But Kyrie Irving ended up getting exactly what Kyrie Irving wanted. And that's pretty freaking incredible. That he was willing to use every ounce of leverage that he had and then use some of the Kevin Durant leverage. And he got it. He's going to get to be a part-time player. He's going to get to remain unvaccinated. He made the Brooklyn front office fold. At least it appears he made the Brooklyn front office fold. They said back when training camp started, we're not going to do part-time players. Kyrie Irving is either going to be all in and get vaccinated, or he's not going to play. And two months later, even with Brooklyn as the number one seed in the East, it looks like they just folded. It looks like the Brooklyn Nets just folded on saying back in October, go home, Kyrie Irving. And now two months later, they're saying, yeah, you can come back, Kyrie Irving. We'll give in to your requests. You can be a part-time player. You can remain unvaccinated. 
Kyrie Irving won. Kyrie Irving's going to get pretty much everything that he wanted because when push came to shove, the Brooklyn Nets folded on their leverage position. Yeah, there's probably a little bit of a compromise in there, but not enough where Kyrie Irving's not getting paid to be a part-time player, remaining unvaccinated, and fighting for the cause that he wants to fight for, for whatever his reasons may be, which haven't really been articulated all that well. I don't know exactly why Kyrie Irving is willing to sacrifice millions of dollars, his good name, his reputation, and well, reputation among you know the masses, not necessarily his reputation with myself. Reputation among the masses and people who uh, are not even like basketball fans, like casual basketball fans and non-basketball fans alike, willing to burn bridges with the front office of the team he wants to play for, burn his good name, burn his reputation among casual fans and people in general, and be co-opted by people on the political right. All of that, and he still was willing to do it just to get everything he wanted, which was presumably just to play as a part-time player for the Brooklyn Nets, get paid, not be an anti or not get vaccinated, and continue to be a leader for all the other causes he has and sell shoes because I know he also dropped the thing about his new Christmas release on one of his shoes and people were thinking is this Kyrie Irving coming back all the things Kyrie Irving wanted it looks like he's going to get or at least the best he could do I'm sure he'd like to play in all of Brooklyn's games while being unvaccinated if that's not possible he adjusted his expectations and is going to get to be a part-time player for the Brooklyn Nets until they come to some compromise on what happens when push comes to shove in the playoffs. An absolutely crazy situation just seems a little less crazy, because ultimately, Kyrie Irving won, and I did not think Kyrie Irving was going to win. Now, is he going to be a free agent at the end of this season? Yes. Has Brooklyn said they're not going to resign him? Yes. But if Kevin Durant tells Brooklyn to re-sign Kyrie Irving? Are you telling me they're not going to re-sign Kyrie Irving? If it means alienating Kevin Durant, who, yes, signed a contract extension, but also Kevin Durant can leave at any time, are you saying that if if he tells them to re-sign Kyrie Irving, that they won't re-sign Kyrie Irving? That Brooklyn is just going to get out of the game of trying to be a champion because they're going to isolate Kevin Durant if Kevin Durant really wants Kyrie back? Because I have a feeling if Kevin Durant really wants Kyrie Irving back, Kyrie Irving's going to be back next year for the Brooklyn Nets. He has no contract after this season, and reports are Brooklyn is not going to re-sign him. At least those are the latest reports from a couple months ago. And I'm not sure that's the case if Kevin Durant really wants it. Because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been handed the keys to the Brooklyn organization. And Kevin uh, James Harden, by and large, has some of that power too. But it seems like James Harden's just like, I'm cool just playing basketball with these dudes and trying to win a championship and do all the James Harden stuff that I like to do outside of basketball. Like, none of that stuff's in jeopardy for me, so I'm cool there. But Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got the keys to that franchise. And unless Brooklyn wants to get out of the championship winning game, they're going to continue to fold at the hands of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They were willing to ride it out for a while because, like, let's not get it twisted. This situation is totally insane. It's totally insane that one of the 20 best players in the history of basketball is willing to sit out a season of of his career in the back end of his prime and damage his reputation and damage his good name 
and damage or and be co-opted by people on the right and burn bridges with the front office of a team that you still want to play for like burn bridges with it's not like the Paul George situation or the Jimmy Butler situation where they're trying to leave the places that they're in Kyrie Irving is burning bridges with the front office that he wants to play for and it's incredible how much they're using their leverage, and I commend them for doing it. Damn it, if I had the leverage, I don't know if I'd have the cojones to be the leaders Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been on using your leverage, willing to sacrifice, willing to make things ugly to get what you want in a power struggle with management. I think it's so cool that labor is outshining management in this situation. Props to Kyrie Irving for willing to stick it out and calling bluff on management calling their bluff after two months. And this might be the last chance Kyrie Irving has to call this leverage because his contract is about to expire in Brooklyn and because he's exiting his prime as a basketball player. But damn it if it wasn't an amazing, amazing decision for the short term for Kyrie Irving because he's going to get everything that he wants because he was willing to make things ugly and was willing to stand his ground and use every bit of leverage that he had. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, y'all, let's wrap up this week strong and finish by giving you all 15 of the picks this week from myself, Blake Jude from Stripe Hype Cincy and Stripe Hype Friday, which I still say is one of the best podcasts that we've done, and our buddy Walter Mitchell from Revenge of the Birds. All of those are out and available. We're going to play Walter's audio here because we had fun playing around with the Titans a bit while we were doing our analysis. Tighten up uh, and then... Blake, who normally would have our picks during the Stripe Hype Friday, which, by the way, again, one of the best podcasts that we've done was that Friday podcast. If We, we brought it strong on that Friday, so you can check that out with our buddy Blake Jude. Uh, normally, we would have the picks at the end of that episode, and mine would be in here somewhere. Maybe I'd just forget to say the picks, and you'd just have to take my word for it later on. So here's one big standings update with four weeks left to go in the season. So going into the week, Blake Jude was 38-31-1, and won seven games over 500. I was in second at 36-33-1, and won two games back. And Walter Mitchell was 35-34-1, and won one game behind me. Walter took an L because he had the Patriots at plus 2.5 on Saturday. And the Patriots lost to the Colts 27-17. So not only did they lose, they didn't cover the 2.5 point spread. Blake Jude had the Patriots as well, so he took an L. I gained a game back on Blake because I had the Chiefs at minus 3 on Thursday against the Chargers. So I'm sitting at 37-33-1. and 1. 
Blake Jude is 38-32-1. Walter, 35-35-1. I'm one game back of Blake. Walter is two games back of me. It's really close. Anyone can still win it. We're one crazy week away. The last two weeks we've had me going 5-0 and then Blake Jude going 5-0. It's been weird and chaotic. So here are all the picks for the week. Blake Jude had the Patriots. That was a loss. He is locking in the Carolina Panthers at plus 11 against the Buffalo Bills. That line is actually plus 13 right now. So I'm going to give him plus 13 as a little gift for all the amazing work he's done for us. Take the extra two points. You might as well since I see a line that's plus 13 moving Buffalo's direction. Panthers plus 13. He's taken the Tennessee Titans plus one and a half against the Steelers. He's got the Rams minus six and a half against the Seahawks. Let's make it an even six. Uh, We'll make life easier for our buddy Blake. Actually, which one gives him more points? It would be, they would have, yeah, let's say six. Six is the number. If they win by six, our buddy Blake Jude covers on the Rams, who may or may not be losing a bunch of people due to COVID. They're getting a bunch of people back. That line's fluctuating rapidly. He's got them at six. And then he's got the Minnesota Vikings at minus six against the Chicago Bears this week. So those are his picks. He's already 0-1, trying to bounce back with these other final picks here. Uh, I also see a Vikings 5.5, so maybe he should get the 5.5. It'll make his life a little bit easier. We'll give him 5.5 on the Vikings. Maybe the half point makes a difference. So Vikings minus 5.5, Rams minus 6, Panthers plus 13, Titans plus 1.5. Those are his next picks. My picks, Dallas Cowboys minus 11 against the New York football Giants. I'll take the Cowboys to win and cover. I'll take the Cardinals to win and cover against the Lions at minus 12.5. Always risky playing these end-of-season games because you never know who's going to respond to what in those terrible games. Uh, Similar situation, I'm going to take the 49ers at minus 8 against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I feel confident the Falcons are not actually good. Uh, We did our uh, confidence index game with Blake Jude, and the Falcons were one of those teams we left for the end. The Falcons happen to be 6-7, and but are also the 9 pick in the draft right now. It's just been a weird year like that. I feel like the Falcons may lose every single game the rest of the season, and they play the Detroit Lions next week. And I'm still saying the Falcons might lose every game the rest of the season because eventually I feel like all these lucky wins have to even out for the Falcons. They've been one of the luckiest teams in one possession games this season in the NFL. I feel like eventually that's got to even out for them. 49ers wallop them for a win. Maybe it won't. I mean, the Bears were lucky last year and they made it to the playoffs. So maybe it won't even out all the way. Who knows? So I got the 49ers. I got the Cowboys. I got the Cardinals. Already won with the Chiefs. And finally, we had to pick Texans-Jags because we're anarchists. And I'm going to force myself to pick a Texans-Jags game. So I'm going to take the Texans and five points and take the advice of our buddy Razor Rosenthal that second matchups between divisional opponents happen to be more low scoring. So I'm going to bank on this being a really low scoring game considering the Texans have gone a three and a half game stretch scoring only eight points this year. And Davis Mills is still their quarterback. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have scored seven total points in the entire month of December. It's December 19th, 
and the Jaguars have only scored seven points in the entire month. So I'm going to take the Texans and five points to win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, or at the very least, not lose by more than five points. And finally, we have our picks from Walter Mitchell, courtesy of Audio Form here on Wired Up. You at the same record as me. So I'm two games back of first, and you're three games back of first. Okay. And you and I would have had the same because you had the Bengals on a pick'em. And that almost came through on the comeback at the very end. They had right. the lead with the field goal until George Kittle just did ridiculous George Kittle things. Right. And the 49ers got the win. Yep. Well, that's yep. good. So yep. Yeah. And then you won. You won on the Bucks. You won on the Packers. And then lost with the Jets against the Saints. Did I pick the Jets? You did pick the Jets and six points. Oh, yeah, that's because of the points. Yeah. Yeah. The the Jets with the points, and then Alvin Kamara came back and did Alvin Kamara things against the Jets. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yep. That's fair enough. I went three and two. I had the Cardinals. That's good. Yeah. You're trending upwards. Yeah, I'm three games above 500. That's my goal every year is to get above 500. And I'm one for two so far. Last year was so brutal. I was one game below 500 at the end of the season. So this year, this year I'm hoping I keep it up. And then I, I dumbly picked the Carolina Panthers. That yeah. was my other loss this week. Do you want to do the picks, picks now? Let's do the picks now. So I got to. Oh, actually, I do know the one game this week that I wanted to ask you about, but I don't know what the line is. So I've got to go back and then find the. I got to find the lines for this week because it's the Thursday game between the the Chargers and the Chiefs in Los Angeles. Uh, this game is very exciting. The Chiefs are four point favorites at the Chargers. Hmm. Fascinating game. Uh, Chiefs are peaking right now. The Chargers had a great game. I'll go with Chargers because of Little Rock. (laughs) You should you you should go the other way on that because I'm picking the Chiefs. (laughs) Little Rock is not Little Rock is not the biggest Dean Spanos fan, but (laughs) I'm going to pick them in honor of you. In honor of me and my disdain, but former love, my childhood team. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I'm coaching you out of that. Of course. Well, I, I don't think there's anything you can do because I, I think it, it has made me quite happier as a human being to not have to be a Chargers fan. <laughs> Getting off that narcotic was was fun because <laughs> Chargers. Chargers are, are they're not quite one of those teams that's just like brutal to root for like the Lions where it's just heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak but Chargers Chargers are pretty close they're like a tier above of, of the heartbreak level so yeah it's 
in fairness, though, it's better to root for the Chargers now, like I told you, because they got that quarterback for the next decade. So yeah, that is that is it's slightly better to root for the Chargers right now. All right, what we got here? Ooh, how about Saturday football? Does Saturday football entice you those couple times a year yes. that they they come in? Yeah, yes. we've got we've got the Patriots at the Colts. The Colts are two point favorites at home. Patriots. Patriots and points. The rare Patriots and points. That doesn't usually happen. Right. All right. Let's see what's next on here. Uh, how about... Hmm. How about the Titans at the Steelers? It's a straight pick them. Pick the winner. Titans. Tighten up. I would tighten the weird. <laughs> tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I, I've now been the past like eighteen months. I've been branded a Titans hater, but I was also the person who said when uh, when Marcus Mariota was their quarterback and they were two and three that if they put Tannehill in, they'd make the playoffs. Not only did they make the playoffs, they beat the Patriots and beat the Ravens in the greatest playoff upset the last ten years. So I was all in on the Titan hype train then, and then I've pretty much been branded a hater of them ever since because I keep trying to like neuter the the joy of of Derrick Henry's two thousand yard season and this year saying they were going to struggle to score points. Uh-huh. So, but, but tighten up was our was our slogan for a whole year. Every week on Monday we come in tighten up, tighten up. We named like three uh-huh. podcasts tighten up during that playoff run. <laughs> it was just all. All uh, Titans. We loved our loved our Titans. You ever heard the song Tighten Up? I have not. Well, maybe I have and I just don't know it, but I, I don't know. When you say the name, I don't know what it is. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. It's an oldie goldie. Tighten up. But is it the one by Harrison Wells? Let me draw it oh, up. Oh no, here. that's that looks like it's just the Titan song. Let's see. No, that's just the Titans anthem song. Apparently, let's see. Titan up song. Apparently, the t- I need to listen to this now. If the Titans have a Titan up song, then I need to. I need well, to play that. It wouldn't be their song. It's a Motown. No, I imagine it's not because this looks like a Tennessee Titans anthem is the one that I found. And if this is the case, I need to listen to this because uh, I use a lot of songs like this on the podcast. So if if we have a Titan Up song, I need to use that as a transition. But let's see. Tighten Up. Wait a minute. Let me just... I'm not sure I've ever heard it, but it sounds good. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, listen to the first like 30 seconds of it, just in our, you know, getting 30 seconds while skipping forward parts. But yeah, no, it's, I've never heard of it, but it sounds pretty good. <laughs> Tighten up. Uh, to make the playoffs, I'm really upset about it because they're, they're, they're not actually that good. Hopefully Derrick Henry comes back, though. If Derrick Henry comes back, it changes the math a little bit for me. But yeah, 
Ever so slightly. Uh, All right, here we got? go. Oh, did you find it? Or did you find something? Yeah. Oh, is it the... Oh, there you go. Listen up. Tighten up. <laughs> this is the music we tighten up with. <laughs> Come on now, drama. Tighten up for me now. Oh, yeah. Titans, Titans need to adopt this. Ah, the organ now. Tighten up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do the <laughs> tighten up. Do it now. Yeah, on the old Atlantic record ah. um, label, which was nice. so great back then. Yes, they I had, know. I know a little bit of music history, so when you say the name, I know Atlantic Records is yeah is, is very big in the music game or late sixties and then most of the seventies, even some into the eighties, but especially sixties yeah. into the seventies. So, did we get all five picks in? We got three right now. Before the detour of the tighten up, <laughs> which is wonderful. Before our detour, you can we do got... it. Yeah, go tighten up, <laughs> tighten up, tighten up. Uh, I, I will not force. See, we're we're doing a, a gag on the podcast later this week where uh, we do serious Texans and Jaguars analysis as as a joke, and I'm going to pick the game at the end, but I won't make you pick the Titans and Jags. I'll do. Uh, Packers. Oh, we never mind. We don't know Lamar Jackson's playing. Uh, it's, it's Packers Ravens is the game of the week, but I don't know if Lamar's going to play or not. So let's do Seahawks at the Rams. Rams are a touchdown favorite. Rams. Rams. Do we have a Rams song? Oh yeah, that's right. They have the old. Uh, they did like a Super Bowl shuffle song in the. Uh, they did a Super Bowl shuffle song in the 80s called Ram It with Jackie Slater and Eric Dickerson and all of them. It's very funny. Um, yeah. So the Rams do have their own little theme song there, but they don't have a slogan. They don't have a tighten up. They just have Ram It. You can rock it all. <laughs> so just Ram It today. Just Ram It. I'll probably. <laughs> yeah. So they've got that, I guess. And then finally, we have. Let's do Saints at the Bucks. The Bucks are ten point favorites at home. 
Saint, I mean, uh, Bucks. Tom Brady all the way through and through. I, I want to believe in the Saints because they, they would be, out of all the bad options for the NFC seventh seed, they would be the least bad. So I'm hoping they make a run here, but they might have to beat the Bucks to do it. So. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.